Lord Jesus, we thank you for your teaching. We pray that as you taught your first disciples, so you will teach us. For your name's sake. Amen. It's very good to be here again and to be uh, doing my second and the third in this series on parables. That's a longer reading than we're often used to having in church. Uh, very deliberately, I, I asked for the whole chapter to be read uh, because sometimes it's good for us to hear the whole, whole context, not just a bit. I, I'd normally hear that read or uh, I've been involved in, in many, many occasions where two or one of those three parables have been read and preached on. You get uh, any number of sermons on the lost sheep, rather fewer on the lost coin, and I, I dread to think how many on the lost son or the prodigal son. But you don't often hear the three of them put together. Now, when you look carefully at the Bible text, very often it will say, on another occasion he said this, or later on, or later that day he said that. But here you've got the three stories all told by Jesus consecutively as one chunk. This isn't a chapter that should be cut up. It's a chapter that hangs together because it makes one point in three different ways. And it's worth doing that and looking at it. But again, as, as Mark rightly began our time together with, with prayer following the situation in Paris, we can't avoid that can we and obviously we've that's been going on statement and and debate about that in in the commons this morning and will be in the lords this afternoon it's very much on everyone's hearts and minds how do we deal with evil how do we deal with wrongdoing how do we face it how do we understand it even more to the point What's God's attitude in all this? Of course, it's easy to say, and it's right to say, compassion for those who are hurt, damaged, frightened, bereaved, whatever. Of course, of course, that's right. And of course, God is there with them in their suffering and pain, as he is in all the suffering and pain of the world. But here we've got a passage where Jesus spends time with sinners, with those who've gone wrong for whatever reason, and is challenged and rebuked for doing so. Jesus tries to get alongside the damaged people, the people who hurt others. And the Pharisees and teachers of the law mutter, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus wanted to talk to them. I'm not talking about negotiating with terrorists. I'm talking about talking to people. And when Jesus is criticised for talking to sinners, spending time with sinners, eating a meal with sinners, he responds with these three stories. And the three stories are about different sorts of lostness and how God approaches them. They're actually about God's heart for
for the lost. And that's something we actually need to redress the balance. I'm not saying any of the things uh, that are, are said in the debates here are wrong necessarily. I'm not saying the reactions of, of all sorts of people are wrong. I'm not saying we don't need to confront evil when we come across it. But as part of getting it right, knowing something of God's heart for the lost is ever so important. And Jesus very deliberately tells three stories in one go where we see three different ways of being lost and three different ways of winning the lost back. And the resentment of the good people who don't really want the lost to be won back but would rather they stayed lost. That's quite disturbing, of course, isn't it? The older brother. I don't quite know why they call it the lost sheep and the lost coin and the prodigal son. It's as if whoever read it didn't realize that Jesus was telling three stories at once. It's lost sheep, lost coin and lost son. Or perhaps it's the good shepherd and the searching woman and the waiting father because I think very clearly there is here a picture of God as Trinity seeking to win back the lost. The first story, a shepherd who goes out to search for a lost sheep. Of course that's a picture of the Lord Jesus. And of course the lost sheep is a picture of someone who has in some way belonged to the flock but has strayed. Uh, sheep tend to stray, I, I believe, because they're stupid. I've seen, I saw a wonderful example when I was on holiday in the Lake District of a sheep uh, it, that was very happily munching the grass, but there was a, a cottage and a, a picket fence and flowers inside the picket fence, and the sheep decided the flowers were more attractive than the grass and tried to jump over the picket fence and got itself stuck on the middle. And then another sheep came and tried to do the same and got itself stuck. Then another one came and got itself stuck on the first two sheep. And soon there was a pile of sheep all stuck on this fence. Completely stupid. Because the grass was greener or the flowers were prettier than the grass or something. Sheep get lost because they're stupid. So do a lot of people. So do we sometimes. I've gone astray because I'm stupid on more than one occasion. Because I don't think about the consequences because I just follow an instinct. Not malicious necessarily, not evil, though it comes of course from a heart that's in rebellion against God, but many of our deeds and many of our ways of getting lost as people are because we're stupid. And when we kind of belong to the flock but we get lost because we're stupid, the shepherd comes out and searches for us to show us his love and to pick us up stupid though we are, and carry us back. It's a wonderful, wonderful picture. But there are people here, I don't mean in this room, I mean in, in this wonderful building, there are people in our country and there are people in the big wide world who've got lost, including some who we would probably categorize as evil because they're stupid. Because I haven't thought it through, because they're just following an instinct or a a tribe or a, 
a sense of misplaced loyalty to others, the sheep go in a crowd the wrong way, whatever it is. And God's heart is for them to go out and rescue them. And I suspect he's calling his church, his people, to go out and rescue those who've strayed in foolish ways. And then we have the story of the lost coin, a little bit different, but again, the heart is the same. Interestingly, it's, it's a picture of a woman who's lost a coin. And in a number of places, you've got hints that it's entirely appropriate to think of, of God as having the best womanly or motherly qualities as well as the best fatherly qualities. And we see uh, wisdom in the Old Testament very closely allied with the Spirit and with the Lord Jesus, but always with a, a feminine pronoun. And here I think we have a picture of the Holy Spirit searching the dark and dirty places to find the lost coin. The lost coin which is precious. I'm told by some of the experts that 10 silver coins strung together to form a sort of headdress uh, form uh, a dowry, a wedding gift for a reasonably wealthy Middle Eastern woman. So it may be in effect she's lost her wedding ring or something like that, but it's precious, it matters to her. You know, what does one coin matter out of 10 if it's part of a set? that's an adornment and with important sentimental value, it's precious and she's lost it. And she calls friends and neighbours. She wants help. When she finds it, she calls friends and neighbours to rejoice. But she lights a lamp, sweeps the house and searches carefully till she finds it. She goes into the dark places and the dirty places to find that precious thing that was lost. And it was lost by accident. And how many people in the world are there who are lost by accident? Because they weren't brought up to know anything about God or the Lord Jesus. Because they've never heard. Because circumstances have conspired against them and they haven't had much chance in life because they've been brought up in a refugee camp and lived their whole life in that sort of situation with no real sense of belonging or anything. There are many people in our world who are lost by accident. Many of our young people who've simply had broken homes, no good background, no great opportunities in life, aren't well, of course we're all sinners, but they're not lost because they've consciously strayed or even foolishly strayed. They're just lost by circumstance or by accident. And again, the picture here is of God, the woman, with a heart, a desperation to find the lost, even if it means going into dark and dirty places. That, I'm sure, is a, a message for the church and for Christian people that we have to get into the dark and dirty places to find those who've, who are lost by accident. We have to be alongside the most disadvantaged in order to show them the love of God for them. And then you have the lost son and he's just blatantly rebellious and disobedient. He's had every advantage, he knows his father's love, he knows the security of belonging, all that. He knows the inheritance that's his and he willingly, deliberately squanders it 
for the sake of sensual pleasure. He deliberately squanders the inheritance of his father for sex and drugs and rock and roll or whatever it may be. And the attitude there, well, sometimes you can't go out and find them. Sometimes people just resent being chased in that way. But the father waits and waits longingly and doesn't just sit in his armchair waiting, but he's standing on the veranda looking out, anxiously looking out for him while he was still far off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, ran through his arms around him and kissed him and then threw a big party. Sometimes there's a wisdom that says you, you have to let someone sink a bit in the mire and pray that their own conscience will bring them back or the Lord will bring them back. But when they come back, boy, do you welcome them with celebration. Because each of the three stories has celebration and rejoicing. Because despite the elder brother's grumpiness and resentment and misery and unhappiness, God's heart is for the lost. His heart beats for the lost. God, the good shepherd. God, the woman. God, the father in these three stories. And it's a story for us sometimes to use wisdom in how to find and reach different people. Some need to be followed, some need to be sought out in dark and dirty places, some just need to be waited for and welcomed when they come back. It's also a picture for each of us as we get lost. Sometimes I've been lost by foolishness. In some respects, I guess, I'm lost by circumstance. Sometimes I simply rebel and am bad by choice. I think we've each been in each of those places and some people are more in one of those places than another. What's our response to difficulties and sin and terrible things in the world? Of course compassion for the hurt. Of course a longing and a proper desire to build stability and order and nations that work and all that sort of thing. And the whole political process which is so important. But when we see evil and confront it, or when we see people lost, broken society, or however we put it, let's not forget God's heart and passion is to win the lost back to the love of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>